Hi everyone, it's Marilyn Laurie and welcome to Who Can It Be Now? I wanted to do a quick intro to today's episode because um, this is going to be a two-parter. And when I was telling this story, I wasn't really sure why I was telling it. And it wasn't until the end of part two, which I'm really going to suggest you listen to because you'll hear all the crazy wackiness that went on at the very end. And um, I didn't even know I was going to go there in the story. And you'll get part two next week and you'll be able to hear um, the ending. And I realized now after I recorded both episodes that the reason I'm sharing this story with you is because this was all the wackiness was that was going on in my life as my entire soul was being cracked open and my gifts were accelerating and opening as well. And many of you may be having these experiences where you're just becoming more connected to the universe, to your gifts, to your own soul, and your life may feel like it's just zany or wacky or um, just wacky things are happening or um, just, you know, you're just feeling a lot of shifts and changes and you're not sure why. And you may be uncomfortable by them or thinking something's wrong when in actuality, you're just being cracked open into something greater and better. And a lot of it too, on reflection now, as I look at it, because it was many years ago, the story I'm sharing with you is over like, I don't know how many years ago now. Um, it's a lot of synchronicity too. And I can see, especially now looking back on that time, telling that story again to you, how the universe was providing my next steps. And it was urging me to walk through doors and helping me. Meanwhile, it was shutting doors on me too, as well, to get, get my attention, but locking me in rooms, which you, most of you know that story. But it was really showing me the way. And as painful as some of those things were, because things were going out of my life, I'd gotten everything I wanted and then everything went away. It was really helping me to come home to my soul, come home to myself. So I wanted to do a little intro to prepare you for it because I'm not really sure how this story is going to land with people. I'm being completely transparent and honest with all of you, but I felt it was a story I needed to tell. So you're going to hear a little music. You'll go into part one and then um, you can, depending on when you're listening to this, you can go to part two. And I would definitely remain around till the end of part two so you could hear the wacky moments. All right. Thank you so much. And I will be speaking to you soon. Hi, everyone. It's Marilyn Aloria and welcome to Who Can It Be Now? I am um, excited to talk to you, but I'm going to also be very uh, transparent, vulnerable and real with you today. Not that I'm not that any other day, but today I'm really going to be that way. So I am recording this on Monday, February 28th, 2022. And I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. And what I want to do, one of them is really, really uncomfortable and um, very vulnerable. Actually, they're both really uncomfortable stories, to be honest with you. I am going to, as I share these stories, I want to teach you certain things as you go on the journey with me that you can use for your own life. Because life happens, hardships happen, um, things happen in life. and when you take the journey that you're on and you can really communicate with your guides while you're on the journey and look at every moment as an opportunity to learn something and um, take the information from it to move forward, it really can help you to grow and expand at lightning speed. I recently shared on my personal Facebook page that I'm unzipping my sweater, nothing else. Um, I used to be called the stripping medium because when I do readings, I have to strip sometimes. That means just take off jewelry, clothing, well, not all clothing, 
I was in an entertainment meeting with a entertainment company with a network and I started taking my rings off my hat my scarf <laughs> they started calling me the stripping medium anyway I digress um so I was posting this weekend about how I decided to 10x my life which I've been talking to you about on this podcast and I was saying wow when you decide to 10x your life opportunities really come like my calendar is so much more full than I normally allow it to be because there's so many opportunities and so many meetings that I don't want to say no to them right now. They're really good things. And I'm also building a lot of different things. I'm building a next level program for people who have studied with me, graduates. It may be offered to people that come in and are interested in SFA down the line, but right now it's only offered to people at the time of this recording. It's only offered to people who have already studied with me. So it's called next level living right now. And it's going to be a 12 month program where we deep dive into the clairs, into channeling, into all the work, and you apply it to your goals and set intentions, whether you call them goals, intentions, I don't care what you call them, um, where you're going to really deep dive in each area, like love, relationships, career, and health. And you're going to learn about clairvoyancy at a level that you've never learned clairvoyancy before. So I've been Putting that, uh, I've been talking to the graduates of SFA who are interested in that program, and I've been putting it a little bit on the back burner um, because I've been 10xing my life, and I'm in the process of writing my book, and I'm doing this podcast, I'm getting ready to do the second podcast, I'm meeting a lot of people that do podcasts, I'm uh, starting to be interviewed on certain podcasts, and uh, I've had interviews before on podcasts, but anyway, and there's a lot of things happening, like it is friggin' speeding up, man. And with those speed ups, um, so somebody had asked me, when you say you 10 extra life, what did you do? What are you doing? So I want to offer up a little technique and tools that I've done in order to, one, do the 10xing of my life and two, to balance the 10xing of my life. Because when you choose to really shift and change, it, this is the way I described it to someone this weekend. I said, it's like the cement foundation I was on has been jackhammered and I'm standing in the rubble of the jackhammered cement because the foundation that was there no longer supports me. And I'm waiting for um, the, the rocks to be taken away, which are starting to be taken away slowly. And then the new cement to be poured that I'll be standing on a new belief system, new platform of my life. So I'm in that part of that rubble part where it's like deciding what to do, what not to do. Um, basically the way it was presented to me in a program I am in, it's where you are today where you want to be, what do you need to give up, and what do you need to do in order to get to where you want to be? So I've been meditating a lot on that question, as well as doing certain things to shift and change my life. So I've been, I'm going to share a little bit about that in a second, but I've been doing that. And in the process, I've been living my life. So things have been happening. Some, I'm going to tell you about one of those things in a minute. And the other thing that's been coming up is a lot of past stuff has been showing up because it's clearing out of my system. So one of my ex-boyfriends who passed away uh, about two years ago has been showing up in my dreams. He hadn't been around since he passed away. So I'm assuming, not assuming, I already know, he is moving through to a different consciousness because what I know, and I am, this is my truth. This is my belief system. I will be writing about this down the line. When we pass, we go into another consciousness. Now, that's not to say that heaven doesn't exist, that um, whatever you want to believe doesn't exist, because I, I those are actual places. But if you think about it, those are consciousness too. 
So when I've done some studying on near-death experiences, I noticed that what people believed in their life seemed to rep be represented in their near-death experience. Now, I didn't study every near-death experience out there. This is only the work that I've done on it. But I've noticed that Christian people or really religious people, they had an interesting near-death experience where they saw light and Jesus and things that looked like heaven. Whereas other people who didn't necessarily have a belief system, when they passed, they went in and out of darkness, like in and out of dark and light. They had both experiences, some scary moments and some light experiences. It's not to say that if you believe in Jesus and um, heaven and all of that, that you're going to have a better, you know, you're going to go to a better place than other people. I am not pushing that kind of belief system. Your belief system is your belief system. My belief system is my belief system. This podcast is about introducing you to, yes, I do have opinions at times, but it's about introducing you to limitless thinking and for you to decide for yourself what's best for you. So we're going to go jump into some of these stories because I've been um, talking about how I want to talk about the funny stories about my dead ex-boyfriends. But I realized that one of them is front and center who wants to be talked about. And it's, um, it's our story. But before I jump into that, let me just tell you about what's going on in my life right now. And then I'm going to tell you about the 10x tools. First, I'll tell you about the 10x tools. So I had had, I already shared this in another podcast. I had a real deep conversation with myself about things that I've really wanted to change and shift in my life and what I needed to do to change and shift them. And I uh, went into certain programs. I've been doing certain studies and as well as keeping my own um, habits really pretty healthy. I'm a pretty healthy habit person. I'm pretty routine too. I need my, um, I need my routines. I need to exercise. I need to journal. I need to do certain things to keep me on track. Otherwise, I feel really willy-nilly. keeps me grounded. So in the mornings, I get up. I've always journaled in the mornings. I journal in the morning. Um, I was, I've been meditating more, channeling more. I definitely have to be out in nature. I walk the dogs. I exercise, whether that's yoga, Peloton, riding, um, or it's tennis, pretty much. I'm going to start getting back into running soon. So those are the types of exercises that I do. I'm always hiking and walking the dogs. So that's every single day. A couple Sometimes the dogs get walked a lot, um, but there's usually one big long walk. And then at night, what I've been doing is I always pray. I've always been a prayer. So I pray with prayer cards. Um, so I'm usually praying with prayer cards. And then I'm writing a gratitude list, uh, 10 items on a gratitude list. I'm going to tell you a new thing that I'm doing in a second. So I write 10 items on a gratitude list, and then I write, this is the new thing, happy memories of the day. So what I had found is as I'm doing all this clearing out, um, memories that have been coming up haven't been very happy ones because I'm clearing it out of my system. And when I was sitting in meditation and channeling, I'm like, okay, where are my happy memories? And I had a hard time finding them. So my guides were like, we want you to write down happy memories from that day every single day so that we could start building on happy memories every single day. So I've been writing happy memories down and they can be simple things like yesterday was, uh, yesterday was the sun, you know, I'm recording this 28th, so 27th. I went and found a new trail with the dogs and I just, being out in nature for me is so important. It's why I live where I live. Um, and it's why I'll always live near nature. And it was just such a beautiful day and it was so great. And I ran into this woman and she told me about all these trails. And then she told me about this other person, which I'm going to share in a second. And it was just a really beautiful, it was a beautiful Sunday. I had a beautiful Sunday. So that's a happy memory. So I write down, it doesn't have to be one sentence is fine, but it's really good. And then the other thing I do is 
I read a bunch of affirmations. I'm not really an affirmation person, but only because they need to be grounded a lot of times in truth for me. But the affirmations I've been reading, I've been grounding them. So when I read the affirmations, I visualize as well with them to ground them. And there's quite a, it's a big list. I think it's like 15 of them and my hands on my heart and I do a whole thing. And then I have been doing a mantra. So I'm doing 40 days of a specific mantra. Um, and now what I'm doing is last night I pulled out my vision book, which I know I've done a podcast about vision books. And as I'm doing my mantra, I'm looking at my vision book. So I'm adding to it as I go. I, w- I only, I've been doing this mantra, I think for 10, 11 days already. That just came to me. So when something new comes to me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that now. Before, when I was doing the mantra, I was working, visualizing, but also working in my chakras because mantras will clear out the, the stuff in the chakras. That's why this stuff is coming up. So I do that and then I close it out with a prayer. I have a beautiful little prayer that I say to a guardian angel. Um, I actually sleep with prayer cards under my bed still, under my pillow. So I put my prayer cards under my pillow and I read a little bit. Um, I'm reading the mantra book right now and then I go to sleep. So I don't read anything that um, triggers. I can't read business books anymore at night because they just trigger my brain and I want to rest and sleep. So the other thing you can do is when you wake up in the morning, I got this from Tiny Habits, one of the books I was reading. As soon as you put your feet on the floor, when you wake up in the morning, go, this is going to be a beautiful day. This is going to be a beautiful, this is a beautiful day. Actually make it more positive. Okay. So those are the things I've kind of have been um, bookmarking, bookending my um, 10xing my life because I have really committed to shifting and changing and growing. And with that comes uncomfortable energy. Remember the cement foundation I told you about. So I have discovered that underneath my house, there's a, I have a basement area that's not enclosed. It's on the floor is open to the rock that the house is built on. I'm a hillside house. I have a hillside house. There are rats, motherfuckers, man. So, you know, I knew they were down there when I bought the house because there was like a sonar thing. By the way, oh, I'm not going to get into that story. Um, but I didn't see them. The thing worked. The sound thing worked. Um, but now they are having a field day down there. And it's freaking me the F out. Seriously. Like, it's freaking disgusting. Now, they're not in the house, thankfully. I have two cats and two dogs. So those mothers better stay out of here. And, but I have to do something. So today I had um, somebody come out and give me an estimate on how to get them out of there and what they need to do. And remember, it's open to the ground down below. So oh, anyway, we went down there and I heard a noise and he heard it. I'm like, mm, hear that? And we look and there's two rats just like kind of hanging out, staring at us going, yeah, what are you going to do, bitch? And I'm like, you motherfuckers, you're going to get out of here. So that was the kind of conversation I had. I thought this, this guy probably thought I was crazy. I didn't say that in front of him, but I did say those fuckers, man, you got to get those out of here. So I'm the type of person that when I have something like this, I get uber focused on dealing with the situation. When there's a problem in front of me, I really focus on dealing with it. So I had to, I was building this next level program and I needed to work on it today, plus record a podcast with you before I run out to my tennis lesson. And, um, but I got uber focused on finding other people and I have a couple other people coming because I need to find the right company, you know, to do this job. So that's where we're at. 
But what I did is I came back. If you don't know about Ted Andrews, he's no longer with us, but I really do like Ted Andrews books. And I teach you guys the symbolic language of your soul. But for me with rats, right, they're just super uncomfortable. There's, I know they're smart. Um, I don't like them. End of story. So I'm going to have a hard time in my symbolic library finding what the message the spirit wants me to know about the rats because I'm just like, get the fuckers out of here. And it's going to be a little bit difficult for me to really go into, oh, how do I feel about them? Well, I fucking hate them. Oh, what memory do I have with them? Oh, I do have a memory of them in Soho. I was going to pick Chinese food up and one ran right underneath my foot and I like rolled over it. I don't think I picked up the food after that because I was so grossed out. I don't remember what I did. I might have picked it up and threw it out. Um, but that's not a memory. Like, what is that telling me, right? So if I'm teaching you the symbolic language of your soul, your guides are bringing you symbols, and you get this symbol, and you're like, well, what the fuck is this thing telling me? Because I can't stand it. It's disgusting. It's just grossing me out. Um, I've, I, I'm spraying peppermint down there. Like, I'm doing all sorts of stuff. So what I do is then that's when I will go to Google or go to a book, and I love Ted Andrews' books, Animals Speak. And then you're going to hear from Stephen. You've heard from Stephen Farmer. Check out that um, interview. Stephen Farmer is a teacher in Membership for Your Soul. He's also, he's a big teacher. He did a class for Membership for Your Soul. He doesn't just work for me. He works for himself. And I got lucky that he did a class for us. Um, he's also one of the authors in the Common Sense series with me. I'm an author too. So we both have books out. My book isn't out yet. And unless it depends on when you're listening to this. Anyway, so I went to Animal Speak. And so... This has been sidetracking me, right? I have so much work to do. And the book says, Success, Restlessness, and Shrewdness. Cycle of Power Year-Round. And basically what it was telling me is you may find yourself getting more restless. Kind of true. It may indicate a time to be more shrewd in all of your dealings. True. Are you not handling the pests in your life properly? I'm handling them. Do you need to become more adaptable? Fuck off. That's what I would say to that. Fuck off. I don't need to become more adaptable. I'm adaptable enough. I'm adaptable enough. It may even reflect the time to, to more aggressively pursue endeavors for success. Yes, that is what's happening. I put my programs on the back burner. I've been just dealing with my life. I've been living my life. And I have people chomping at the bit wanting to study this next level of work. I, I need to re-enroll Soul Finder Academy. I'm not going to say I need to because I've kind of put Soul Finder Academy on the back burner too because I want to change a little bit in there, some more accountability in there. But I need to pay attention to it is what it's saying. So yeah, I'll agree with that. The behavior of the rat when you see it will help you to determine the kind of energy it specifically brings to you. Well, I don't really want to study the fucking behavior of the rat, so I don't really give a shit what it's doing. All I know is that I need to get my success front and center. Okay, so there you go. I'm pissed off about the rat. So that is what I do. When you're in a journey of your life and things are going on, you want to pay attention and you want to take the information and find out what you need to know from it. So ask yourself if something's going on, instead of like being distraught, upset, you can tell I'm pissed off about this whole situation. Um, I need to figure this out. I don't want to use poison. So I'm figuring it out. And... So I've got to do all of that. It's taking time away from what I need to do. But really, is it? It's telling me. So what I did after I called a bunch of a couple of exterminators and did some research and everything like that, I went and built the syllabus for my next level program. So it pushed me into taking action, which is great. Okay. 
So pay attention to your life. Pay attention to things that go on in your life. Don't take things for granted and allow the messages to come through, no matter how disgusted you are by them, in order to grow and move forward and evolve. All right. I'm probably not going to be able to tell this whole story, but I'm going to see what wants to come through and I'm going to share some of this with you. And I'm going to be sharing more of this stuff because I feel that it's important to share these stories with you so you can show, so I can show what it's like to live a life as a really sensitive person who is, um, and this is all of you, if you're listening to this and you resonate with this, it, it's psychically gifted, um, speaking to spirits and all of the above, speaking to all of the above, planets, energies, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So back in, mm, what year was it? I think it was 19, ah, and now I know why I'm telling this story. So back in, I believe, 1994, 95, about 94, I decided to 10x my life. Now I understand why I was telling this story. I had no idea why I was telling it until now. I thought it was because my ex, I have to give him a different name because I am going to share quite um, transparent, vulnerable stuff about his life. Although I don't think he cares. So I'll come up with a name with him for him in a second. But Back then in the early 90s, I was working in television. I was working for Fox News. Some of you know the story already. And I was miserable. I had left MTV. I just shared this story with someone. Um, and I went to work for Fox News. And I, it was a really hard transition for me because one, the people at Fox News, it was a, it, Fox News didn't exist. We were the beginning, the originating um, comp, um, department. So we were creating a new show that they were going to try out. And that's where Fox News grew from. Um, the people I worked with were nasty. I didn't like them at all. They were assholes, to be honest with you. One of them became a stalker. So we're not going to go down that story because I'm not even going to let that energy into this podcast. Um, and that's my that was my experience. So just of my experience there, I have no opinions. I don't give opinions about things of the nature of which news organization, all that kind of stuff. I'm not an expert in that field. So I had, was miserable and I was taking acting classes. I was in a tremendous amount of therapy and I decided I really needed to change my life. And through my dream work that I did, which is what I'm going to be putting in my next level program, um, and through all the therapy I was in and group therapy and acting classes, and I was just doing everything I could to remember that broken foundation I shared with you to build a new foundation. And through my personal discovery, I realized I wanted to be an actress. I always wanted to be an actress. So I was like, let me be an actress. And I did share this story, I believe, before. So I'm not going into that particular story. So I decided to be an actress and I had to get out of Fox News and NBC Olympics was hired, was starting up again and they were hiring a senior profiles manager. And I'm going to show you how, and I did share this story once before, but I'm going to share it a bit. I'm going to show you how your psychic gifts can work. So I was, knew I was psychic. Like I had a feeling about it because I was having dreams and things come true or I knew things about people. I was playing with tarot cards already um, and I was studying dream work. So I was learning about symbol symbolism because I knew my dreams were really potent, but I didn't know how my personal instrument worked. And I went for the interview at NBC Olympics. I decided, okay, I'm going to be an actress. But before, you know, I've got to study. I've got to learn. I've got to get headshots. There's so much stuff I have to do. I need a production job for like a year, year and a half while I pursue my personal endeavors, but something that'll pay the bills, pay my acting classes, everything. 
And I went for the interview at NBC and it's a very long process to get hired by that company. It was the second time I was meeting with them. I had worked with them in 92 and this was 95, right? So um, I don't care if people know my age anymore. Anyway, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but they basically called me and said that an in-house person accepted the job. So they weren't going to offer me the job, but um, they would be in touch with me. They really liked me and they would probably bring me on when the games were happening and stuff like that. And I do freelance work. And I said, great. And I was disappointed and I was really sad, but I didn't give up. And I said, okay, I made a list of all the people I knew. And I said, I'm still going to leave Fox. I'm going to go freelance. I'm going to talk to people first and find out what I need to do to go freelance. I was just figuring everything out. And I think it was like three days later, I had a dream that NBC called me and offered me the job. And I didn't remember the dream. And I was, this is how it happens to me. And I was walking in Soho where I was living and I tripped over a curb. Oh my goodness. I tripped over a curb with the ex-boyfriend too when I had a big moment. You guys are going through this real time with me. I'm recognizing similarities in the stories. So I tripped over a curb. And just as I tripped over the curb, I went, oh, shoot, I had a dream about NBC that they were going to offer me the job. And I vividly remembered it. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. I didn't think, you know, it felt like I was like, wow, I remembered the dream. And then I think it was like a day or two later. I don't remember the timing. NBC called me and said she decided not to take the job after all. And they wanted to offer it to me. But I needed to come in and talk about salary. I got the job. And it was a great job. NBC was so good to me. They were so nice, just like MTV. Great companies to work for. And it was perfect. It was a year and a half of working at NBC where I was able to go do acting showcases, go to classes. I would go to the gym. It was just such a great job. And then when I went to Atlanta, um, I had to really buckle down like the few weeks before the Olympics and while I was in Atlanta. So I couldn't pursue my endeavors, but I, that was fine. I was working for NBC and, and having a lot of fun. Then when it came to an end, um, they wanted to keep me in the company. And I told them that I wasn't, I was going to pursue acting. So four months after that, I got the lead in an off-Broadway play. And that was a psychic experience too, I, where I went for a lead in a movie. I didn't get the part. I was, so, it was disappointed I didn't get the part. And, but they wrote another part in for me because they liked me, which was really nice. Um, and I said, you know what? I'm going to buy backstage. I was afraid to buy backstage. Here I am pursuing a career. How many of you relate to this? You're pursuing something, and then you're afraid to do the thing that you need to do in order to move your career forward. So I bought backstage, and there was an open call for Tina and Tony and Tina's wedding, which was perfect for me. If you think I have a Brooklyn accent now, you should have heard me back then. And I went to that open call, and I got the part. And that's a whole story in and of itself, which I believe I shared. But anyway, so I was working as Tina in Tony and Tina's wedding, and here my whole life changed overnight. I was a lead in an off-Broadway play. I was becoming equity. Um, and my friends who were mostly my friends were working during the day. So I had like this evening life now, which I wasn't used to. And it was kind of lonely, to be honest with you, because I would be leaving the, this is before I was friends with anybody, I'd be leaving the play and just walking home to my house, my apartment in Soho. And everybody would be, all my friends would be asleep. So I'd be like, oh, you're, you're up and awake after doing a show, a Broadway show, especially on the weekends when you're doing two shows. And I'd be like, oh, wow, what am I going to do? So I was just noticing there were things missing in my life. Like I wanted to get married. This actually was happening before the show. Before the show, I was talking to the universe and I was saying, I want to get married. I want to act for a living. And I can't remember what the third thing was. 
Oh, I want inner peace. I said, I want to get married. I want to fall in love and get married. I want to act for a living and I want inner peace. And this was before I got Tony and Tina's wedding. And then I did that every night. That was my mantra going home uh, from work or from the gym before I had Tony and Tina's wedding, right? So that's what I would say. I want to get married. I want to act for a living and I want to find inner peace. And before I knew it, I got the lead in an off-Broadway play where I was getting married every fucking night pretty much. And I was like, yeah, this isn't what I meant. So you have to be really clear with the universe. So I was still, so somebody gave me another mantra. They said, um, start saying, I want to, I want to meet someone who loves me as much as I love them. I want to meet someone who loves me as much as I love them. So I'd be walking home from the show and I'd say, I want to meet someone who loves me as much as I love them. And that would be my mantra. Careful of those mantras, guys, because they're really powerful and really strong. So one day I go, I'm in the dressing room and I'm getting ready and we're going to be doing the rehearsal for um, the Easter Bonnet. And it's a big thing for the Broadway. Anybody who's on Broadway, off Broadway, gets to perform um, the Easter Bonnet. And it was a charity thing, I believe. And we would uh, write up our own skits and perform on a big Broadway stage. Um, and it was a lot of fun. So it was my first one ever. And I'm walking out into the main dance floor of Tony and Tina's wedding, you know, to practice and rehearse with everyone. And there, under the disco ball, there he was. The cutest thing I'd ever seen. And you know those moments when you see somebody and you're just full-on attracted and your whole body responds. And I was like, oh, my goodness, who is that? He's so cute. And so I went out on the dance floor and... um they introduced me to him because I was Tina of the show. But I think in that particular show, everybody was going to be a Tina or something. I don't remember what it was. They were really nasty, a lot of the actors in that show. So I met him. I haven't figured out his name yet for this particular story. And uh, we were rehearsing. And as I we were rehearsing and dancing around, I farted. It just, it slipped out. It just slipped out. I was kind of known for doing that because I don't know, like it would just, I didn't, I, I don't know. And everybody started laughing and here I am like this really cute guy and I just farted really loud. Matter of fact, my skit, when I was leaving, they wrote about the farts in it. I, I, I don't have it. It was very funny and it was hilarious. But anyway, and I don't do it anymore. So if you're wondering. If you hear a noise in the background when I'm recording this podcast, don't be like, was that? I'm like, no, it wasn't. I'll tell you when I burp, because when I get nervous, sometimes I burp. So anyway, um, that happened and we all laughed and I had to brush it off because what are you going to do? That happens. And um, he ended up getting the, um, the person who played the ex-boyfriend who crashed the wedding, Michael Just was his name in the play had something happened and he had to take a month off so they offered it to this guy still not giving him a name yet i gotta find him a name he'll probably give it to me and so i came in one day and on the board there was always a board of the understudies if there was understudies so that you knew who they were on the board was michael just and his name and i was like oh my goodness he's playing michael just my ex in the play i'm gonna get to know him and they, um, building, the managers told me, you know, he's going to be playing it for like three weeks, I think, or a month. It was like three weeks or a month because the other Michael just got hurt and 
he's going to be placing him. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is incredible. Wow, we're going to get to know each other. So I'm not going to be able to tell you this whole story, but I am leading to things that I will tell you. So um, we played together in the part and he would, I would be at the church and he would crash the wedding at the church. And then we would have a dance together to um, Eric Clapton's Wonderful Tonight. Um, and then he gets thrown out of the wedding. Tony and I get into a fight and he gets thrown out of the wedding. Michael just gets thrown out of the wedding. And then uh, Tony and I, I'm drunk in the wedding. I'm supposed to be drunk. And then um, we leave, we make up and leave on the honeymoon. Okay. So that's what's going on in the wedding. So as I'm getting to know this Michael Just guy, um, I'm hearing things about him. And because I'm asking now, and I had some friends, some one of one of my closest friends I met in the play, and we're still good friends to this day, Brooke. I've talked about Brooke before. Um, Brooke Lewis, you can look her up. She is a scream queen, actress, extraordinaire, um, really great, great person. And she was so good to me in that play because they, they were really mean. A lot of those people were really mean. It was an improv club play by the time we got out of the church. So everything was really improv, even though you had timelines of where you had to be. Like you had to be at the dais cutting the cake. You had to be in the bathroom. You know, you had to be in different locations because the audience would follow you around and you would improv certain conversations, but you had to hit a certain thing, like something had to happen. And the actors were so mean that they would throw in stuff like personal stuff. Like it was really not a good ground place to be. But there were some people that were really nice and Brooke was definitely one of them was a good friend of mine. Um, so anyway, I was finding out about him and I was told that he was gay and I was told that he liked guys and that he didn't play on my team. And I was really disappointed when I heard that because I really was liking him a lot and he had a great personality and he was such a good person and he was kind of a little shy and quiet, but when you got to talk to him, he just was really wonderful and funny and just a really, really kind, kind hearted soul. And so I was really disappointed. And I was like, well, what are you going to do? You know, there's nothing I can do. He doesn't play on my team. So this isn't going to happen. And one night I had a dream and I had a dream that I was at his apartment and he told me that he wasn't gay. And he told me why those rumors were happening. And he told me about his history and his life and things that went on um, that I really want to ask his permission if I can share and I feel that he's okay with it. So there was some stuff that went on. And so I had the dream and I woke up from the dream and I went, oh my goodness, he's not gay. He's not gay. He's misunderstood. And so I think it was like a few days after that. It wasn't long after that, that... Brooke, and we'll call him Michael Just for right now until I can find him a name, um, and I went out to lunch. Now I'm realizing something. I have to make sure. So we went out to lunch, the three of us, and while we were walking to lunch, the play was in the West Village. So um, there was a lot of, you know, gay people all around us. And um, Brooke was like, ooh, that guy is checking you out. And I saw that um, Michael Just, we'll call him for now, um, didn't have any interest. He was really interested in talking to me. And we really had this great conversation. And the three of us had this incredible lunch. And I was like, I'm right. 
I think I'm right. And that we went back, it was between like a um, matinee and then we went back for the evening performance and we just really hit it off, him and I. And I went back and did the evening performance and then I, we decided to go have a drink together, just him and I. And we went out and we, um, I can't remember every place we went. I do remember the place that we sat on, you know, living in Manhattan is just one of the most um, incredibly electrifying experiences. It, it, every, all my time in Manhattan living there was just so magical and amazing and wonderful. It was just an incredible place to, to be. And we were sitting in one of those places and sitting on this um, couch, having drinks and I just remember thinking, I really want to kiss him. I really want to kiss him. And we started talking and having deep conversations. And he revealed to me what the dream revealed to me um, about his background. And I was like, I, I, he went out and went to the bathroom. And I was like, I knew it. I friggin knew it. And this is before I knew I was psychic or anything. So I was like, it, it just like, it was crazy to me. It was like, wow, I just knew it. And he sat back down. And I'm sure I made the first move because I was like that. And I made the first move and we kissed and made out. And I don't know how much longer, but it was one of those dates where you're out until like five o'clock in the morning, which you can do in Manhattan. And I remember going home and just being on top of the moon that we, I, we didn't go home together because I wasn't that type of woman at all. And he called me, I think like two night, two days later, and he invited me out to lunch and we went out to lunch and he paid for lunch. And at this time, you know, we were, we were artists, but we weren't making a lot of money doing what we were doing. He was also a bartender, but it was, so he was like, I went to pay the bill with him. And he was like, no, I invited you to lunch. I want to pay for it. So he paid for it. And then we walked to um, Washington Square Park and it started raining, drizzling. And we were kissing in Washington Square Park in the rain. I mean, as romantic, you can't, can't write this shit. That's what was going on. And then um, I, I went, he had to go to work and I went home. And that started our love affair. And it was an incredible love affair. Absolutely incredible, which I am going to share with you because what went down, and I'll bring in all the dead ex-boyfriends, um, with this relationship is quite, it's quite incredible to me what goes on in your life when you're connected. And this was way before I knew what was going on, but I knew there were, I knew there was information. I knew things were happening. So I will find a name for him the next time around. And I will teach you something in a minute with all of this. So, but we were dating for a good, mm, I don't know how many months we did end up living together and stuff like that. But I believe this was before we were living together and we were between shows. Um, he ended up getting the part because the guy never came back. So we were in the show together and it was in between shows and we were heading out to lunch and we were walking and I was getting a download of our relationship, like where our relationship was going, how long it was going to last. Now, at this point, we were completely in love. We were best, each other's best friends. It happened really fast, but it was like one of those really magical experiences where he really saw me and heard me. I really saw and heard him. We had each other's back. We were, he would like, he was very romantic. He would like, our thing was XO to each other before we were like saying, I love you. We would do XOs. 
and he would like have there was like one person who knew in the play that we were dating or two people and um he would deliver me he would have like my friend deliver me a bottle of beer in the play it was a prop and it would have xo on it like he would leave me little things like that so we were having this full-on love affair and I remember leaving that day together and we were going walking towards lunch and I was like, wow, like this is it. This is like, this is what I've been asking for. We're going to get married. We're going to have kids. We're going to be together. And I tripped. And I tripped over the curb. And just at that moment, I knew it wasn't going to last. And the whole download came in that it was going to end. And I... And things happen, they happen really fast. Remember, when you're getting information, there's no time. So it could feel really slow with the information, but it's a split second. And in that moment, I was like, how could that be? This is amazing. We, I, we, I've never met anybody like this. We just get along so great. And the information was, it's not going to last. It's not going to last. And it was so vivid and so real, but I didn't want to believe it. And I said, that's impossible because we are so great together. There is no way. I mean, anybody around us and everyone around us couldn't believe like what our relationship was like. And Brooke would even tell you. It was just so unbelievable, magical. Like you couldn't even be around us. So it was just so perfect. But I tripped. The download came in. And I brushed it off. So I'm going to leave you there because I have to go and uh, I will share more about this because I'm starting to step into more vulnerability in my life. You may be like, ah, that's not a big deal. But what I have to share and the heartbreak that I have to share around these stories and the healing that takes place around these stories. And what I found is when you're an extremely sensitive spiritual person, and I, I really believe this because I've seen this. The way we deal with heartache and pain, it feels a little bit deeper than, than some people I know deal with it. Maybe because we're more conscious, maybe because we, um, I don't know, for me, I can only just talk about me. I feel it deeper. It feels deeper. So the technique and the tool that I want to share with you, you might be like, oh, Marilyn, don't leave us there. What a cliffhanger. Um, things happen for a reason. And had I stayed in that relationship, I will share with you what happened, but it would have not been good for me at all. Just like the other person who, there's two other guys that passed away. I could have not been with either one of them. And you don't know it at the time, but had I stayed in any of those relationships, I would never be where I am today. So what I would like you to do is think about something that has been a heartache maybe in your life. Like, I'm still, I'm not heartbroken over this at all. He's just starting to show up in my dreams. So I recognize that there's another level. When you're a medium, there's another level of healing. Like my other ex who passed and we didn't have closure. This ex I did because we still, we were still friends. But the other ex I didn't have closure with, he had wanted to. I don't know what he wanted. I don't know if I'll ever know to this day, although it's a thought. And I'll explain that story later. But we danced on a bridge together. And that was my closure when he died and he was in spirit. As for this one, we had closure before he passed and um, we were friendly. So I don't feel like I need the closure, but he was a very special person and a very good person. 
and a very he was a very loving person and um so what i want to offer up to you is you don't have to wait you don't have to have closure in the physical even if the person's still alive you can have closure because it's all up to you it's all in your own heart your own being your own consciousness so it's up to you to heal through something be done with it and move forward and i know this is true for a lot of spiritual people that when you have an experience like that, I know this from a lot of women and possibly men too, they've not been in a big relationship after because their souls have decided that they're only the next relationship they're in is going to be the relationship or it's going to be the relationship that's really incredibly grounded and, um, and great for each other. So if you're one of those people that you're finding yourself, you haven't been in a relationship in a while, don't fret about it but really start getting clear about what it is that you want to invite in and bring it in. Pay attention to all the information around you. What for me personally, when I meet somebody who is interesting or um, someone I may want to date, I observe first. I watch first before I do anything. And I've been very blessed that I've done that because the few times that I've almost acted on something, and I, then I got to know the person. I was like, oof, thank you. I just, I just got through. I thankfully didn't go down that road because that one was a drug addict and that one is completely emotionally messed up. And so it's really good. So I do have to go, unfortunately. So I'm going to end it there. And the technique and tool I'm leaving you with is you have all the healing you need inside of you. You don't necessarily have to have a conversation. I don't feel you do have to have a conversation with someone in order to heal yourself. So just know that. All right, guys, I'm sending you a ton of love and I will see you soon. And remember to um, go to marilynaloria.com forward slash party, P-A-R-T-Y party and rate, review and subscribe. Thank you so much. Have a great day or night whenever you're listening to this.